It's November 8th, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First up, we're going to hear from Lauren Primiano about the what's new with the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii. And then we'll hear from David Watermo from Cardax and Brad Wilcox from the UH School of Medicine, and we'll talk about the healthy aging gene. But first up, let's welcome Lauren from the Entrepreneurs Foundation back to the show. Welcome back. Actually, I think this is the first time I've been here. Oh, <laughs> come on. Really? <laughs> really, really, Well, yeah. we are such a big fan of EFOI, so I guess that's probably why we've, we're, we've just been infused with your spirit. <laughs> well, I know we've had people come on and talk about uh, Entrepreneur Foundation, but Lauren, I, I could have swore we had you on for some other things, but that's okay. We welcome you for the first time to Bite Marks Cafe. Now, Entrepreneurs Foundation's been around, but tell us what the mission for Entrepreneurs Foundation is. Sure, sure. No, and thanks for having me, guys. Um, so Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii, of Hawaii is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we have been around since 2003. We were founded by John Dean, who is the executive chair of um, CPB. And our mission is to simply encourage, enable, and empower Hawaii's entrepreneurs to do well, to do good. So what that means is business success can be so much more than an end goal. It can be a tool to create positive change in the community. Um, So the reason that we're called Entrepreneurs Foundation is we know firsthand that entrepreneurs are actually some of the world's best problem solvers. Um, And they're also uniquely positioned to create community impact that can grow and scale together with their business. Uh, So our ultimate goal is to mobilize the local entrepreneurial community and also to inspire more broadly entrepreneurial thought, spirit and action into finding solutions for some of the world's most difficult, excuse me, some of the world's most difficult challenges um, that we face today, tomorrow and beyond. So, Lauren, if I recall correctly, in our apparently imagined previous conversations about (laughs) this foundation, there's something unique about the structure of it. It kind of has a philanthropic uh, philanthropic (laughs) aside for uh, collecting funds and using those in a particular way to help make these visions come true. Right. Um, So our original model was uh, based on encouraging companies to donate stock uh, in their company to the Entrepreneurs Foundation. And when the company would reach a point of liquidity, we would use those proceeds to set up a corporate charitable fund in the name of the donating company Mm -hmm. and use that to make grants with the um, uh, uh, input of the company, of course, um, that, you know, went directly into the community. So what we're doing now is we're actually expanding on that. And there are two specific programs um, that are new to the Entrepreneurs Foundation. Um, So first, let me say we consider ourselves to be value-added connectors between the entrepreneurial and the impact communities. And so these are the two primary audiences that we serve. The first program that we are just launching is the Startup Philanthropy Program. And so we work with startups to leverage their business as a tool to create change in the community. And we do that by encouraging them to make donations of equity but also donations of time, profit, products or services, and really to find the model of philanthropy that makes the most sense for their business, as well as the cause that resonates the most with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we help these startups to implement their own community giving program. We help them promote 
their philanthropic activities, help them build authentic connections with like-minded business resources and professionals, um, and also help them ultimately to incorporate a more community-minded uh, vibe into their uh, company fabric. Well, philanthropy should definitely be a big part of what a startup does, but a startup will generally have a lot of other things that they're trying to execute on, so having assistance with that uh, certainly makes sense. What's the other program? So the other program is the Impact Partnership Program, um, and we're happy to announce that uh, Hawaii Open Data, as well as the Hawaii Alliance of Nonprofit Organizations, are our first two uh, impact partners in this program. Um, but this is basically a program where we work with nonprofit organizations to harness the power of entrepreneurial thought, spirit, and action, um, and ultimately help them to maximize their impact in the community and the good work that they do. So we do that by providing these organizations with a platform to promote their calls of action to the entrepreneurial community, um, as well as actively assess for uh, need and um, expertise alignment with the companies in our startup philanthropy program. So if you're, a, if you're a nonprofit organization and you want to reach this particular community and certainly its different approach to you know uh, making good things happen, that's what uh, the Entrepreneurs Foundation would help people do. Exactly, exactly. It's about infusing you know entrepreneurial thought, spirit, and action into everything that uh, that we do. So you mentioned so, Hawaii Open Data. That's uh, an organization that Bert and I co-founded. So you're helping Bert well, reach this community. Uh, no, it's actually... You can explain what the impact um, group is all about because we're not part of the Entrepreneur Foundation as as one of their client companies, right? Right. So we we provide uh, opportunities for those companies to potentially participate in. So with things like the Code Challenge or you know various hackathon events that we put on, we encourage companies to want to you know to participate and maybe bring teams to volunteer looking at doing some civic tech work. Right. That's kind of the role that we would play. Right, exactly. And Ryan, like you said, I mean, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, they have a million and one things to worry about. You know, they are the most resource constrained and focused on keeping the lights on. So the value, one of the values that Entrepreneurs Foundation brings to the table is to be able to be an extension of their company and really focus on um, helping them to customize and implement a philanthropy program. So, you know, we're kind of their boots on the ground uh, doing the heavy lifting and, uh, you know, giving them a landing pad or, you know, uh, projects to plug into such as um, the Hawaii Code Challenge and uh, and others, um, uh, you know, so that they can be activated and engaged and uh, give back to the community. So I'm, I'm curious, in terms of applying to Entrepreneurs Foundation, I mean, what would be the criteria and how what's the selection process like for companies that are interested? Sure. So, um, you know, we want to work with with companies who view their business as a tool to create positive change in the community. Um, you start by just simply visiting our website, efhawaii.org, and there's a short 90-second form that a company can fill out there um, just to let us know what they do and who they are and, you know, ultimately what their interests, their philanthropic interests are and how we can help. Um, and then we follow up with them to get a little bit more information and, um, you know, because before, was there more of a selection process in terms of and in, and, and before, I think the 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 model of of having some equity mm-hmm. um, sharing with Entrepreneur Foundation was a, a criteria. But does that still? That's not the only criteria now. So it, it right. sort of broadened the pool of participation. Right. Right. Exactly. So we don't require companies to make equity donations mm-hmm. to Entrepreneurs Foundation. Now, if that is of their interest, mm-hmm. then, of course, we would welcome it. Um, but more importantly, 
the, I guess the, the, the biggest qualification is, you know, are you passionate or do you have um, a desire to have a greater impact in the community besides just having a successful business? And mm-hmm. if the answer to that is yes, then we want to work with you. Well, it's exciting to hear about this sort of new relaunched uh, Entrepreneurs Foundation. I know you had recent, uh, joined earlier this year as the executive director. You've got a new website, new logo and everything. If somebody wants to find more about this program and how they as a startup or as a nonprofit can get involved, where should they go? EFHawaii.org. Well, there's yeah. an event coming up too, right? So maybe you can just there share with is. us what that's all about. Thank you for mentioning that, Bert. Um, so on Monday, this coming Monday, November 13th, we have our annual fundraiser, which is a wine tasting and silent auction event benefiting the Entrepreneurs Foundation. As I mentioned, we're a 501c3, so contributions um, really go a long way for us um, to, to fulfilling our cause. Um, and so more information on that can be found on our website again, efhawaii.org slash pour, P-O-U-R 2017. All right. And uh, yeah. We'll look forward to seeing you guys there. Very good. Thanks, Lauren, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by David Watermill from Cardax and Brad Wilcox from the UH School of Medicine. We'll talk about living longer and the healthy aging gene. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ulupono Initiative and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. Aloha, I'm Marianne Barnes. I'm the president for Kaiser Permanente in Hawaii, and we've been a proud underwriter of this great organization for a lot of years. HPR is an important asset to this community. And so as we were looking for a great organization to get our messages out and connect with the community, we couldn't think of a better organization. Hawaii Public Radio Underwriting. Your message heard here. Learn more at hawaiipublicradio.org. Chrissy Houlihan was ready to watch Hillary Clinton be elected president. We sat down with balloons at the ready and champagne, and the night, as we know, kind of went sideways, at least for me. And her disappointment has led to a new direction. Now she is running for a seat in Congress. I'm David Green. A year after the election, we ask what's next for Democrats. That's tomorrow on Morning Edition. From 5 to 9. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us are David Watermill and Brad Wilcox. David Watermill is the president and CEO of Cardax, maker of astaxanthin. And, of course, uh, that's a naturally occurring anti-inflammatory. Brad Wilcox, meanwhile, is a professor and director of research at the Department of Geriatric Medicine at the John A. Byrne School of Medicine. And, of course, what are the latest developments in anti-inflammatory treatments and aging? And, of course, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Great. Uh, great to be here. Me too. Now, you know, Brad, um, I know we've spoken before about mm-hmm. some of the studies that you've done in terms of uh, aging and the populations like in Okinawa that live a very long time. And, and of course, uh, we've had uh, David Watermo on talking about astaxanthin and uh, how it, as an anti-inflammatory, uh, has, a, has some potential impact on aging. Of course, now... There's a connection between this FOXO3, right, and the, uh, you know, what you've come up with in terms of anti-inflammatory. Um, Help us understand what's going on here. Well, it all started with a night on a colleague's balcony, beautiful view mm-hmm. of uh, downtown up from Monolani Heights and 
Dave's there and friend Rob and and me, and we're talking about health and aging and longevity. And we're thinking, and Dave is talking about astaxanthin. I'm talking about the, the one of the two proven longevity genes, FOXO3, which we discovered mm-hmm. is connected to human longevity right here in Hawaii. And we thought, wow, what if there's a connection between astaxanthin and FOXO3? Nobody really thought about that before, and so we did a little search. And lo and behold, there, there was this study that was actually done out of Korea where they were looking at this model organism of aging, roundworms, called C. elegans. It's a, it's a major animal model that's used for aging research because they share the same genes as us. Mm-hmm. Not every same gene. They, <laughs> they only have 900 genes. We have about 26,000. But they do have the, their version of the FOXO3 gene. So they actually, this Korean group, fed astaxanthin uh, and uh, in two doses as well as a placebo to in the roundworm chow. And the worms that got a medium and a high dose of astaxanthin both lived longer than placebo. And we thought, wow, that's really interesting. They share the same gene. It's doing something. Mm-hmm. Astaxanthin is doing something with these worms. And the key part here is that they then inactivated the worm's version of the FOXO3 gene. Mm-hmm. And it abolished the longevity effect of astaxanthin, and then we knew immediately there was a connection. So you were able to test both the positive and the negative, basically, of that hypothesis. Exactly. Uh, so, David, for those who aren't familiar uh, 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 with astaxanthin, um, it is the compound that that your company Cardax specializes in. But where does it come from, and what is this anti-inflammatory uh, property? So astaxanthin, is, we probably all know better as the compound that makes salmon pink and, and lobster red. Mm. But uh, without astaxanthin, salmon are gray. Maybe that's obvious. But they're smaller. They get more infections. Uh, they uh, don't reproduce as well. And they're not strong enough to swim upstream. So it provides a real nutrient benefit. And when we start to look at the literature, was well, why was that? We found a very intriguing anti-inflammatory uh, activity for, for astaxanthin. And so we thought that uh, because we, it was obvious to us at least that astaxanthin was safe, uh, we've eaten salmon for millennia, that uh, here was something really unusual, a real breakthrough, a compound that was anti-inflammatory and safe. Mm-hmm. So for a, for a typical person who would take astaxanthin, what would the, be the benefits? When we talk about anti-inflammatory, it reduces pain, it increases mobility? Well, we now know that uh, inflammation plays a major role in many chronic diseases. And so if you can actually look at reducing inflammation, you can have an effect on many different d- disease states. And uh, so th- that's, the, that's the rationale behind why inflammation is connected to general health. Now, Brad, is is uh, astaxanthin a connection between uh, the the diet in Okinawa? That's a really interesting question. You know, Okinawans eat a lot of seaweed and they eat a lot of sea creatures that are reddish and in color. So we've ne- never actually measured astaxanthin in the Okinawan population, but it appears from the foods they eat that they probably have a, an abundance of it. But you know, a lot of the studies that you've done look at populations that have a very long lifespan, longevity, mm-hmm. is astaxanthin a contributor to all of those communities or is just another potential contributor to long life? Well, that, that we don't 
particularly know. We know that people live uh, eat different diets across the world, and there are longevity hotspots called these blue zones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okinawa, Sardinia, even in America, Loma Linda, California, where there's concentrations of mm. long-lived people. And they, the, the common things, the things in common are that they tend to eat plant, plant-heavy diets. They tend to eat uh, fish instead of red meat. They tend to eat foods that might be sources of astaxanthin. But that would be a very good study to do. But what we're, we were interested in is um, here you have a compound that's a safe anti-inflammatory here it appears to be act in some way, at least maybe obviously astaxanthin has multiple, from what we found, ways to reduce inflammation, not just the FOXO3 gene, but now it activates this gene, and this gene does a multitude of things that are influence your longevity. This gene tends to be able to track down it, the protein that it secretes. It turns on other genes that track down cancer cells and kills them. Mm. It's a gene that... Uh, it makes your metabolism more efficient. It's a gene that if you have diabetes, it makes your blood sugar you know, lower. It's a gene that um, does a lot of things that would, it slows telomere attrition. You know, those little uh, DNA pieces at the end of your chromosomes, when you lose them, every time your cell divides, you lose a little piece of it. When they stop, uh, when you l- lose your telomeres, the s- cell stops dividing. So it does all these things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you'd think that if you can activate the gene somehow, that would be a good thing. And so that's sort of where Dave and I started really thinking about collaborating together because and that so, is a link. And so after the second or third or even fourth beer, I think that uh, <laughs> uh, Brad and I said, what if we tested uh, astaxanthin's ability to activate the FOXO3 gene? And uh, so he and his lab and his uh, collaborator scientist, uh, Rich Alsop as well, uh, we, we did that study. And in that study, we showed that uh, our astaxanthin compound actually activated by 90% the FOXO3 gene, mimicking in some way the benefit you would get from having the most active form of the FOXO3 Mm -hmm. gene. The most active form in humans, if you were lucky enough to have it, uh, is uh, an extension or provides an extension of life of up, up to 100 for three times more likely. You're three times more likely to get that. So, so the FOXO3 gene, I mean, is that the only longevity sort of gene that, that influences potential lifespan? Or there's what, what else one other gene, the APOE gene, that if you, there's three versions of it, and if you have the risk version, that you have a, about 15 times the, the odds of uh, getting Alzheimer's disease, and you have much higher odds of getting cardiovascular diseases. So... Um, it has many uh, effects on longevity, too. So there's only really two that are proven right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my call, and Dave, I think, makes a really good point um, that if you can, uh, one in three of us around this table, one in three people in general has the longevity version. So it's not super uncommon. It's not like this one in a million people has it. So let's see, how many people around this table? Four? Well, I know I have the longevity version, so... There's three of you left. <laughs> so maybe one of you has it too. But if you don't have it, we're trying to figure out ways to make it work like you have the longevity version. Okay, so, so – Maybe I don't have to take astaxanthin, but maybe you guys do. 
And that would to be equal with me. Okay, so that would get our Foxhole three into sort of this longevity category. Right. Well, let's 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 uh, want to hold that thought because <laughs> I I do definitely want to talk a little bit more about how do you you know how do you activate it? I mean, obviously, I mean you can you can <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. We'll hold that thought. We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with both David Watermill and Brad Wilcox. We're talking about the anti-aging gene. And, of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and a Kahi Ornish lifestyle medicine. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Brad Wilcox from the University of Hawaii and David Watermol, of, uh, CEO of Cardax, about the anti-aging gene. Well, so when, you know, right before the break, we were talking about FOXO3 and the ability for it to be kind of the, this longevity gene, and there are things that will potentially activate it, right? And so uh, astaxanthin is one of those things that could activate it. What is it that normally happens in our environment that would trigger this gene? Well, it's basically a stress resistance gene. So you can stress, uh, uh, under stress, you start, uh, the, the gene recognizes that your, your body's under stress and mm-hmm. it activates other genes. It's like a superintendent with a bunch of genes in the neighborhood and says, okay, you got some kind of heat stress. It's too hot out here. You guys start in uh, manufacturing your protein that protects the body against heat, mm-hmm. or maybe you've got uh, you're you're in a I don't know you got into a car accident and you're lying in a toxic dump. <laughs> oh, gee. okay, <laughs> so, okay. So it's you guys you know activate and protect us against protect us against this toxin. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. And, and actually, you can take these roundworms and actually re- really do this. Throw them in a toxic dump, and they'll start. Uh, cranking out FOXO3 protein like crazy. So, you know, it basically protects you against all kinds of different stressors. Mm-hmm. And so, what, what you want is to be in kind of a condition of mild stress that your body can adapt to, right? So exercise is mild stress. That actually cranks up FOXO3. You don't want to be under super stress all the time. Mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. sure. But, so um, I know your research focused on this FOXO3 uh, gene that is in common between us and other organisms. Um, this is a simple question with a complicated answer, but where do you go next in terms of studying this to demonstrate its uh, abilities or activities in humans? Well, that that's the key question, and I think uh, David was alluding to that before we, where we looked at uh, rodents and uh, and fed them in their, their rat chow, uh, astaxanthin, and it activated the FOXL3 gene uh, very strongly in heart, heart tissue. Also, other tissues express FOXL3, uh, brain, muscle, etc. So we're trying to figure out how to, you know, to, to optimally activate the gene. We're also trying to figure out what other genes does uh, FOXL3 talk to. Sure. Uh, we recently published a paper that showed that there's something called a gene neighborhood. So we, you know, tra- our tra- traditional thinking about how genes work is they express proteins. These proteins get in your blood, and they go talk to other genes, and something happens. Well, this, this paper actually focused on how interconnected are from physical connections on the chromosome. So Dr. Tim Donlan, the head of... Uh, uh, our Kuakini Medical Center Genetics Lab, that was really his brainchild. And he showed through 
Uh, it's called uh, in situ hybridization, where you can actually get kind of a picture of where these genes are on the chromosome. And FOXO3 sits on chromosome 6, and in physical proximity are these other genes. When you stress the FOXO3 gene, it moves physically closer through these chromatin loops, like little ropes on these other genes that pull together. It's like imagine us in this room. If you're over there, you're down the hall, we want to get something done, we got to get together and talk about it. So that's what it does. <laughs> so definitely research into those interactions with other genes. Yeah. And David, as far as uh, astaxanthin and working with humans? Well, uh, our next step, uh, there's a couple important ones. Uh, the, the compound that uh, we showed the benefit with FOXO3 uh, from, from our company Cardex uh, was actually chosen by the National Institutes of Health uh, to actually be part of uh, their anti-aging program. So we're one of the top anti-aging prospects. But that's going to be looking at life extension in the mouse. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're also talking with them uh, about the potential of, of human studies in that in that area, and as a company, we also are planning other studies uh, where we could look at the uh, activation of FOXO3. That's a relatively straightforward blood test that we can that we can look at, and so that's something that we think we could do uh, fairly soon. It's not a super long uh, study, and if we can demonstrate activation of FOXO3 in humans, we think that would be a big break, breakthrough. So, how does this uh, I guess, <clears throat> impact us in terms of our everyday life? Should we now be going out there and, <clears throat> you know, getting our astaxanthin and, you know, have a regular dose of that every day just to kind of increase the odds of us living longer? Well, I, I think I'll speak for myself. Yes, I, I take astaxanthin mm-hmm. every day. Brad uh, can speak for himself, but uh, uh, we think that makes a lot of sense. And this is a product that Cardax manufactures um, that is available to consumers? So we have an astaxanthin product called Xanthacin, and it is available at GNC, uh, all the GNC stores in, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yes, indeed, it, it, it is available. Now, the, of course, this inf- you know, has to also play into how do we all go about living longer in general? Because it's one thing to live longer. It's, it's another thing to live a quality life longer, right? So, uh, yeah, we, we, we call that health span, improving your health span. It's not just about living longer mm-hmm. in great pain or anything like this. If you can actually have an impact on the uh, chronic issues of aging, you can improve your longevity. And uh, your li- uh, not just your lifespan, but your health span. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's no silver bullet. Um, Brad, what's right. the next milestone for the research in this right. space that we well, should be watching for? Well, I think that what David's saying is very apropos. I mean, really, people that live a long time tend to have a longer health span, too. And so basically, the, the longer you live, the healthier you've been. So the key is to keep yourself healthy for as long as possible through a healthy diet, physical activity, and, you know, using evidence-based supplements. Are so, there any other, um, let's say, dietary recommendations you might make to help to increase this lifespan? Well, I think Brad talked about them, about them earlier. You know, plant-based diet, mm-hmm. a lot of fish, uh, and, uh, you know, keep your calories reasonable, Exercise; those are all we all know that already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, these are things that uh, we know can help. But in addition to that, when we're starting now to understand the actual molecular biology of aging and of inflammation, these are things that can really help guide us as well. Where can people find out more information as as your work and your collaborations continues? Google us. 
Okay, we'll put that. <laughs> and of course, Cardax. Yes, Cardax is a public company. Mm-hmm. So at www.cardaxpharma, as in pharmaceutical. Dot com. I'll be going down to that GNC and checking out the some astaxanthin. I got to eat more like an Okinawan. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the key. You start with a healthy diet, and you you know, if you have a certain genotype, you might be. Well, there are people with certain genotypes that have the ability to, you know, to not eat quite as well as others. But, hmm. you know, if you don't have that genotype, you've got to work a little harder. Got well, it. of course, uh, David Watermole is the president and CEO of Cardax, and, uh, and Brad Wilcox is the director of research over at the Department of Geriatric Medicine at Jepson. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Please join us next week when Bert will talk about computer science in education. Yes, I go solo again. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. You can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and you can catch us here every Wednesday on HPR1. And of course, you stay safe, and we will see you back here next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. You're-